Social Justice Matters, a podcast series looking at the social mission of the Catholic Church. Hello everyone and welcome to the first ever Social Justice Matters podcast. It's a bit of a what it says on the tin type of title, isn't it, to be honest? Because basically, to the Catholic Church in England and Wales, social justice matters. And to tell us a bit more is my co-presenter, Steph McGillivray. Steph, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, James. What What an eloquent introduction you just gave me. So this is the Social Justice Matters podcast. It's coming all new. (laughs) All new, yes. Brand spanking new. Mm -hmm. Um, It's coming from the Department for Social Justice of the Catholic Bishops' Conference of England and Wales. But we thought that would be a bit too long of a title. So we've gone with Social Justice Matters, which, as you say, it definitely does. In this podcast series, we're going to be talking a bit about the work that we do on social justice issues. And we're going to be chatting about things ranging from healthcare to mental health to dignity in the workplace, life issues, Catholic social teaching, you name it. It's a broad scope and we're going to be talking about it. We're encompassing an awful lot of work there of the church in this country. We like to aim high. We do. Now today, Steph, we're speaking to the um, very talented and interesting Mary Editorimo, aren't we? We are indeed, yeah. And that is because the topic for today is blood and organ donation. Now, why are we talking about blood and organ donation? Well, we're talking about blood and organ donation because the law is going to change in our country very soon. And we wanted to inform people about the Catholic Church's view on these subjects, um, to encourage them to engage with the change in the law and to inform themselves and therefore make informed decisions about what they would like to do, Mm -hmm. Um, and also to hear Mary's story. Now, you mentioned the Department um, of the Bishops' Conference, Department for Social Justice. Now, you've been working with the NHS and the Human Tissue Authority, haven't you, uh, in light of this, to just put the Catholic position across? We have, yeah. When we um, saw that there was going to be a consultation on this process because mm. they were thinking about changing the law, um, we wanted to engage very strongly with this because it is something that we do feel strongly about in quite a specific way. And so we decided to engage very closely with NHS Blood and Transplant and the Human Tissue Authority to ask for assurances on certain issues, which we'll be talking about later in the podcast, but also just to make sure that they knew that we were keen to be helpful as Mm. well and to engage with them and to help them to make the new law the best possible law. Very well put. Well, I think it's probably time that I allow you, because we pre-recorded this, to do the intro to Mary. Mary will tell you this, of course, but she has sickle cell anemia, so she needs a lot of blood, and is also an NHS blood and transplant ambassador. So it's over to you, Steph, with your intro. Hello, you're here with Steph James, and our guest for today is Mary Adetarinmo. Very glad I got that pronunciation right. <laughs> um, we are here today talking about organ and blood donation. And you might wonder why we're talking about that. Well, it's because from spring 2020, people over 18 who live and die in England will be considered as potential organ donors. This means that the law is going to be changing and that if you want to donate, 
it will be considered sort of automatic in that if you don't want to donate, you definitely have to opt out from spring 2020. Now, Mary is someone who has a lot of experience in this field and I'm going to hand straight over to her to tell us what her experience has been. So hi guys, I'm Mary. So over the last year and a half, I've been very involved with NHS Blood and Transplant. I joined the B Positive Choir firstly, so that's how I became involved. They created a choir to raise awareness for blood donation and sickle cell. But in that time, over the like growth of the choir, we've been able to be involved in more conversations and um, meet people and speak on a bit about organ donation as well, especially because in our choir, there's lots of people that either have either received blood or received organs so this is also why we're very much involved in these conversations Uh, we try to express or talk about our experience which is quite interesting and people seem to be receptive to the conversations and then hopefully get to understand the points of why it's good to donate so yeah i tell you what mary tell us exactly what sickle cell is um so sickle cell is a inherited blood disorder generally it affects a lot of people in the african and caribbean community so in regards to the mutation it turns the red blood cells into crescent shapes um, meaning it's quite difficult for it to carry oxygen around the body and then this can cause extra complications in regards to clotting or clogging up in the veins. It can create organ damage, tissue damage, excruciating pain so that's why people end up having hospital admissions, end up going into hospital and staying there for extended periods of time just depending on how your treatment is like when you're there. So in regards to our treatments, it's either you go to the hospital and you get a lot of painkillers, pain medications that is very high and long term can cause extreme damage to many parts of the body or usually it would be blood exchange or another drug called hydroxyria. So not a huge amount of options in terms of treatments but it's this decent amount enough and so there are lots of people who end up having to have transfusions. This is so that you know, there might be an acute situation, might they have chest crisis. If they have that, this could be very fatal. So sometimes to increase the haemoglobin level, they'll quickly give the person um, some units of blood. If not, some people will end up on a transfusion programme or exchange programme. Myself, I've seen improvements. And then also another friend, both of us used to be in hospital together. We used to just be like like hospital buddies. <laughs> and now she's able to go around travelling. Like sometimes she'll be travelling four times a year, which I'm shocked about. I'm like, mm. how is she doing that? But for me, myself, it's all like I'm able to be a bit more active in trying to learn more about blood donation, learn more about organ donation, as well as going around with the choir, being able to speak and communicate with a lot of different individuals, which, yeah. You know, you sort of, you were talking about there being not many treatment options for sickle cell. So I Mm. guess obviously blood donation is a huge thing. And what worries me a bit, having given blood myself and then literally dropped off the radar a bit, it's not that I don't want to give blood, it's that I've just sort of disappeared from the system, I think. And I want to do a little test here. Uh, You're going to love this, Steph. What is your blood group? I have no idea what my blood group is. I'm ashamed to say. I'm ashamed too. I remember thinking that, you know, obviously O and A and AO and all that sort of thing Mm. are quite common. And I remember I was sort of common but not ridiculously common. So I can't remember what blood group that made me, but I'm the same. 
I can't, I've given blood and I can't even mm. remember what my blood group is. So do you think, Mary, that there's this issue that there's a lot of willing people, yeah. but there's, I would say ignorance, but that as soon as they drop off the radar, it's quite hard to get them back, isn't it? Is that yeah. what part of this campaign is about? So part of the campaign is to engage people that probably have dropped off. Also people that might just be quite against it or might have certain myths that in their community they might discuss or speak about and kind of debunk those myths. I don't know if it's a thing where it's just not openly spoken about enough or it's not become casual enough for people to think, oh, yeah, I'm going to go and donate blood or just like you might have an appointment, oh, I'm going to go to get my teeth checked or... Mm do something, if it becomes just a general conversation that's seen and even applauded a little bit, then people hopefully will be more willing. But we have heard that people have found it a bit frustrating in regards to staying committed or remembering in a sense. Also, some people had issues with appointments. I know NHS is trying to sort that out. Do you know, i tell you one other thing. Yeah. I, I'm probably oversharing. I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> but I remember when I was young, I, my mum always gave blood and I used to go along. And I, I wasn't even that young, actually. I'm saying it when I was young. I remember because I think my brother came along to try and find us and he saw me laid up on a table. I wasn't even giving blood, but I'd obviously taken one look at the needle and gone, oh. <laughs> so I was being given biscuits and tea. And, and you know, my poor mum that's ha- having all the blood taken out was just sitting going, what were you doing? Looking after him. He's not even giving blood. Um, so that made Always me... Always the centre of attention. I know. <laughs> I know. But there is that, isn't there? Sometimes yeah. people... I mean, I'm I'm not brilliant with needles. I'm, I'm, I'm quite weedy on that one. But some of it is just reassuring people that you don't have to look or you don't have to do that. Yeah. It doesn't really hurt, as you might yeah. think. So there's a sort of... I think there's a persuasive element to tell people that it's not as scary as they might think isn't it I think definitely um, I think that's important because what also helped me understand the process was first time I saw someone donating blood I went with my cousin I went to visit her at uni and I saw her doing it I think even being able you explain explaining the story of going with your mum seeing going with people and seeing that process and seeing that potentially it's not as daunting you still can probably after you've had some biscuits you can still get on get on with your day so um literally i think it's debunking the myths or fear that oh my gosh it's gonna take so much out of me i'm gonna be like fainting all over the gaff and i mean <laughs> you know or it's like what's gonna what they're gonna do with my blood or organs like i think it's when people don't understand something that's when um there's a lot of fear that can just permeate their mind or make them more worried and anxious but you speak to them you make them realize that okay it's not that scary it's not that difficult and the people that are receiving it or going on treatments in regards to like you might be getting one or two needles our needles like we get so many not in comparison but I did just compare yeah. <laughs> point is it's like you might be getting your needle once or twice I don't know how often I think it's you, you're not allowed to give more than I think it's every six months yeah. so yeah so it's spaced out you know one injection (laughs) so I think it's just making people realize that it's probably not as scary as they may think and to know that it's benefiting others I think it's also the it's because of um it's so compartmentalized people don't really see how it affects or what's being done with their blood I remember one doctor lady was um she was saying that Sometimes things that are done in the calm and quiet can really help when things are erratic and um, things are up in air. So 
to describe that. It's like you calmly go and donate blood, and that's definitely going to help someone where if it's a life death or death situation where it's, you know, really crazy, that blood will be there and be able to use to help those people. So the thing is, yeah, I think it's just people knowing or seeing the faces of the people that it's helping, seeing maybe even seeing some of their transitions, and that's, I think, why Mm. we try and speak on our stories so that people can see the transition, see the moments where people not being able to do anything much with their lives, Mm. not being able to get about, not being able to do what most people are generally doing, let's say working, going to school, socialising, having Things we take for granted a bit. Yeah, because I remember like things that I am so grateful for now is even simple like bathing that used to be such an issue like I had a carer and I would bath and it would cost me like it takes six hours to like recover from it and that's you know how much time does that's a lot Mm. of hours so really and truthfully being able to talk about that and letting people hear that and mine's not really the worst case sometimes you know there's people that's literally constantly they're having their life on the line and having multiple issues happening to them. So I just think when people understand those, see that, interact and even speak to people, other people, let's say, from who are receiving, to be a bit more open about their experience. Because if you're not, people aren't discussing things, then no one really knows why mm. to do something or what's the benefits, like why do they need my blood? <laughs> and I wouldn't have known, actually, that, mm. you know, coping with sickle cell on a daily basis that there would be those occasions where it takes six Mm. hours to have a bath I think Mm. that's a really important thing to say I completely agree at this stage Steph bearing in mind that this is uh, from the Department of Social (laughs) Justice appropriately named we're probably going to need to know what the church's position is on um, blood and organ donation and I think you're the person to spell that out for us (laughs) what is what is the bottom line so it's It's interesting because a lot of people might think, why is the church even talking about blood and organ donation? might seem a bit random. But actually, the Catholic Church is very much in favour of blood and organ donation. We believe that it is a gift and that it is a generous thing to do for other people. It's sort of part of the expression of loving your neighbour, you know, really giving of yourself to help somebody else. So with the law changing, we want to encourage people to, as Mary has just said, to have the conversations because the key to organ donation is to obtain consent and to encourage people to have the conversations that will enable them to make informed choices. And it's a really important point because the law change might make you think, oh, well, it's all sorted for me and I don't need to do anything. But actually, we we do need to do it and we need people to engage with the process because it's important that people register whether or not they want to donate because it's about exercising your own free will and making your own choice. And it is hugely important to inform your family. Have the conversations with them. Tell them exactly what you want. I know that me and James were having a conversation before we started recording about it's 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 actually a very emotional process when you and people might actually be nervous to think about yeah. it in that sense because it's a bit existential almost yeah. but actually thinking about it and i have to say it's amazing talking to mary because hearing how much this has transformed your life that you can now come out like you can come here to our yeah. office and record with us and chat so freely mm-hmm. and openly 
it's an incredible gift and it's definitely encouraged me and I'll I feel like walking out of this office right now and going going to the nearest uh, donation center Um, but with the law change I might just talk a bit more about that and and explain to people that um, we the, the Catholic Church in England and Wales have been involved in talking with NHS Blood and Transplant um, and also with the Human Tissue Authority who's the organisation that regulates organ donation and we wanted to ask them for assurances that the law change won't mean that organs are automatically taken off you and you know that there's no your family doesn't have a say your family will definitely have a say. And in fact, they've actually introduced a whole new question in the NHS organ donor register form so that people can specifically record that they want the NHS to speak to their family or anybody else appropriate to ensure that organ donation goes ahead in line with your faith and beliefs. So the NHS blood and transplant are very keen to engage with faith communities um, to make sure that we are we are reaching these people who might not actually know that the Catholic Church is very pro-blood and organ donation and, and we encourage Catholics to sign up and to make these informed choices uh, about what they want to do because as we've seen from Mary's story, it is just so important that, you know, you might think, oh, well, you know, who am I helping really? But yeah. having you here in this room is 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 incredible actually. So that's the Catholic position. That's why we're talking about it. I guess I wanted to ask you, Mary, that if you were sitting with someone who wasn't sure and, you know, you, you had to convince them, yeah. what would you t- say to someone who, who's trying to make the decision about whether or not to do this? I think sometimes in regards to if they think about in regards to their family members generally most people would want to receive um, or if even themselves they would want to receive and I think sometimes they forget that um, you know there is a wider community to think about as well so firstly just go and check out all the facts themselves as well um, also speak to a few people or look online and see um, because there's so many people that are now talking about their stories and talking about how either receiving organs, donating organs, donating blood, receiving blood. So many people are now expressing that online. So there is an online community. So you can see the process. Not everyone's recording all the time, but enough so that you can understand it a bit more. I would also think about how they would, in terms of they had their family members themselves, if they were in need, in dire need of an organ, if they're in dire need of blood, would they want someone to donate and would they receive you if they would? So also think it's a give and receive and it's definitely helping just the wider community. It's helping so many different people to have a better quality of life or to even save lives. So definitely considering these facts, um, I'm hoping that some people would be more inclined to um, consider it more so try and understand the facts because most times in regards to things that we hear that are not always factual and then we'll just stay with those thoughts and think oh yeah well you know they might do this with my organs they might do this with my blood but to think 
Don't read the facts. <laughs> Speak to a couple health professionals if you really need to so that you can settle any anxiety or worry around it. But it's more so thinking that you do unto others as you'd like others to do unto you, really. I think that's one of the major messages around it. That's, really. that's very well mm. put, Mary. I think at this point, because we mentioned the law change, it's worth just dropping in the website uh, where you can find out more about that and, and the fact that, uh, you know, if, if you wish to opt out, that you can do so as well. We'd, we'd encourage people to, to not do that, but still make a choice. Yeah. It's www.organdonation.nhs.uk forward slash opt hyphen out for anyone that wants to know a little bit more about that. Thank you, James. Very clearly put. (laughs) Every now and again. (laughs) I'm so happy that you've come and talked to us. And to think on top of all of this, you've actually, you're also a graduate of architecture as well. It's just such an impressive person. (laughs) So I think we'll wrap up. And it's just been such a lovely conversation. So thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, thanks, Mary. And I just want to finish by really encouraging people who are listening to this to make a decision whatever your decision is it's important to engage with the process we'd encourage you to sign up (laughs) um, but ultimately it is your individual choice we encourage you to to make the decision about organ donation to record it on the nhs organ donor register and to talk to your family and friends people who are close to you so that they know what your wishes are as well so thank you mary for coming in Thank you. And And I I agree, Steph. I I really am going to look up where I can give blood because, Mm. you know, six hours for a bath and there are others in in even more difficult situations. So I think that that should probably resonate with all of us. So thank you very much, Mary. It's okay. Why not subscribe to our podcast? Search for Social Justice Matters on iTunes, Stitcher or TuneIn. So we hope that you will choose at least one of those methods to stay in touch with what we're talking about on Social Justice Matters. Coming up in future podcasts, which we're hoping to get out every month or so, Mm -hmm. um, we're definitely going to be talking to you about mental health issues, Catholic social teaching, domestic abuse, dignity in the workplace, life issues. There's a lot to talk about in our world at the moment and we want to make sure that we are listening to the right voices, the people who are the experts, the people who are experiencing these things firsthand so that we can make sure that we work together to change things for the better and to keep talking. Oh, that's very eloquent. Very eloquent. Thank you, Steph. Um, It just remains to say thank you for listening to the first ever Social Justice Matters podcast. And we'll be back with you again very soon indeed. Bye.